When I shoot my shot, it's the whole wild way it's going in. Cross niggas like Bubba Chuck, I never gave a fuck. Hook shot a hole like Kareem, but I never lead a fuck. I hit that Janobi with my left hand all like, woo! Bitch, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. James Harden with the range on me, nigga, way back. Michael Jordan, 1985, bitch, I traveled with a cocaine circle. And you can live through anything if magic made it. Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. What up, my fellow NBA lovers? This is your guy, Marcellus Ease. And Houston, 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 we definitely do have a problem. And we're going to go over the multi-layered issues that's going on in Houston because Daryl Morey has left almost like a domino effect on a lot of the players not happy with their roles, especially in the very small ball analytical driven system that they were under. And I'm also gonna touch base on the issues with the new Supermax, on how hard it is to move these contracts over onto another team, especially if guys get injured, how those contracts eventually start hurting teams. And the Supermax was intended to keep guys on the same team. But now we're seeing player empowerment. A lot of these players are rejecting the money and moving on. And finally, the league is trying to work their way into having more fans in the stands. But some of their protocols kind of have them one foot in and one foot out when it comes to safety. Is it really about safety or is it about them trying to make the most money they can and not just rely on TV partners for a source of revenue for the upcoming season? But before I touch base on all that, I want you guys to check out my weekly gems on the description below. I know you guys got a lot of different hobbies and interests. Definitely got a lot of gems in there, especially books and stuff to keep you in the know. Weekly music playlists. There's even a lot of different cooking recipes in there in case you guys are chefing it up during the quarantine. Everything on the cloud drive can be downloaded straight into your phone. So definitely check it out. Well, as you all know, this week, Russell Westbrook, of course, had asked for a trade. He's not happy with his role in Houston, especially with the culture. But we have to go over this whole scenario because it's multi-layered. First, I want to start off with Daryl Morey's small ball analytical system. Could it really maintain a healthy locker room? Because with him leaving, we're seeing now that this has a pretty much a domino effect because a lot of guys were not happy in their roles. Now, looking at other guys besides Russell Westbrook, we have P.J. Tucker. He's not happy that he's a starting 3 and D guy and other guys are getting paid a lot more than he is. And of course, we all know Tillman Fertitta, the new Rockets owner, has been very cheap and they actually have delayed P.J. Tucker's current salary to guarantee it until the trade deadline upcoming for next season so that in itself is pretty questionable because he was already playing at a discount then when you look at guys like eric gordon on the team he's unhappy with his role being diminished ever since the 2017 season he felt like other guys were eating into his minutes particularly daniel house now that in itself has a bit of irony in it because even daniel house wasn't happy with his role with mike d'antoni as he had a numerous outbursts with him back and forth throughout the season, and then even spilling over out in public where even other media members were able to catch it. It's funny how all these stories are coming into light right now. Now, even Austin Rivers this upcoming season has declined his player option as he wasn't happy with his inconsistent minutes during the season. Damn, everything is coming out of the woodworks this week. Even Trevor Ariza, former Rocket, had admitted the reason why he left the team because he felt disrespected and he was waiting for an apology. He really didn't go in depth, but I'm pretty sure it probably came from his role being diminished on the team or just something he probably was asked to do, which didn't make any sense to him. Because once again, everything comes down to the analytics. 
It's whatever the analytics say. It's pretty much how this team goes. And this is the downfall with Daryl Morey's whole analytical heavy approach. There's nothing wrong with using analytics, but it should be one of the tools in your arsenal bag. It can't be the whole bag itself because the analytics tend to never understand the mental aspect of the game, which pretty much kicks in during the playoffs as the whole game switches around. This is why Daryl Morey has great regular season records, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the playoffs, there's a certain hump he can't get over. Also, the analytics can never seem to understand the mental approach certain players have as far as getting in rhythm, because it seems like this was a major issue with a lot of players, from Austin Rivers to Daniel House to Eric Gordon. You can't just all of a sudden have a guy go in, just plug him in out of nowhere after he took away his minutes for two to three games to just have him play a bunch of minutes just because the analytics tell you that his particular three-point shooting works against a certain team on a certain night. You can't just plug guys in, in and out like that. It's starting to make a lot of sense why guys like Carmelo Anthony struggle to fit in because him in particular, he was being asked to do shit like that, to not play for a certain amount of time, but then to come in out of nowhere and play heavy minutes and just start shooting. You know, it's funny because most of these complaints started happening internally within the Rockets after they lost that game seven against the Warriors in which they missed 27 straight three-pointers. A lot of people were questioning the kind of direction that they were taking and where was the in-game adjustments. Now you see a lot of people think that things like this will eventually fall on Mike D'Antoni first before Daryl Morey, but I've seen Jim Jackson who played for Mike D'Antoni under the Phoenix Sun system when it first came about and caught the league by storm and he admitted out of his own mouth that Mike D'Antoni's offensive system was predicated on many different offensive skill sets, from post-up to guys shooting threes, guys, you know, getting quick mid-range jumpers. But under Daryl Morey, we've seen for the first time, Mike D'Antoni's even offensive versatility was restricted to only threes, layups, and getting to the line. So like Domino's, We've seen the coach become restricted. Some of the newer stars like Russell Westbrook become restricted. P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, Austin Rivers. Man, it seems like after a certain time, especially with Daryl Morey starting to become restricted financially on the moves he can make because the new Rockets owner wants to be on the cheaper side of the balance sheet and not hit that cap so hard. It seems like as he became restricted, everyone else became restricted and pretty much his new analytically only approach has pretty much created a toxic environment within the locker room. And speaking of environment in the locker room, Russell Westbrook had also mentioned that he did not like the culture and the accountability in Houston. Now, I wouldn't be surprised, especially now with the pandemic and the financial situation within the league, I would not be surprised if the Rockets continue to baby James Harden, particularly because he is pretty much the only main economic component of the Houston Rockets. That's one reason I believe they'll never let him go because financially, he's going to get eyeballs. He's going to sell tickets. He's going to generate revenue for the franchise, especially Tillman Fertitta right now. He's been on the cheaper side and he can't just get rid of all his guys because he definitely needs to make money out of this organization. Like I said, this Houston Rockets situation is multi-layered. And now with them having an owner like Tillman Fertitta, who's on the cheaper side, and a lot of people question his money because it's rumored that he actually borrowed around $300 million cash from the previous owner to buy the team. So even his money's being questioned. And he's definitely been on the cheaper side ever since he purchased the team. And it's had a trickle-down effect on the rest of the organization. But another main question I have is how loyal Houston 
is going to remain to James Harden. We've seen Dwight Howard get moved, CP3 get moved. Now Westbrook doesn't work out. Del Mori checked out. Mike D'Antoni checked out. The only variable is James Harden. So how committed are they going to stay to James Harden? That's a major question. Because even to find a second star to play in that type of offensive system where James Harden has the ball in his hand, going through his legs a hundred times and just playing iso ball, it's going to be very hard to find a good enough player who's basically going to submit his game into that type of dynamic where it's going to be basically your turn, my turn, but my turn is going to last longer than your turn. And you have to watch me and kind of read my mind. And whenever I want to pass you the ball, be ready to get it. Yeah, that's going to be pretty tough. Well, you know what's going to be even tougher is moving that max contract that Russell Westbrook has. That's another situation that's going on throughout the league, not just within the Houston Rockets organization, but this is rampant throughout the league. Guys signing a max offer, whether it be a rookie max or just, you know, a certain veteran max or just the super max itself, because there's different levels of max contracts now with the new CBA. A lot of these guys are signing these contracts and making these commitments, and it's a commitment. And all of a sudden, guys want to check out of this commitment. Trade me now. And it doesn't work like that. The league is going to have to come down on some of these guys. It's like, listen, you signed a contract. This is your job. You got to perform. A lot of these guys nowadays want to get their cake and eat it too. But just looking back, that Anthony Davis situation down in New Orleans, when he had two years left on his deal, he asked for a trade. That actually set a bad precedent throughout the league. Guys were in committed contracts and just wanted out. We're not even talking about you have a year left, your tradable asset. Guys have a number of years left on their deals and they're making it public that they want to be out, which already puts the team in a compromising situation because it's hard to trade a guy like that when everyone knows you have to get rid of him. That actually set a bad precedent for the league, especially for the fans. Some of these fans, they're not even going to remain loyal to some of these teams anymore. This is probably one of the main issues when way before the pandemic started, around 2014, 2015 season, the ratings across all markets went down. And that tends to align with some of the player empowerment where guys started just wanting out of their deals, even though they were locked in their contracts. I'm wondering if the league is looking at the correlation between that, because as of right now, they're actually using the numbers from that 2014, 2015 season and beyond to negotiate a brand new TV deal which the ratings from 2014 till now, every year, almost pretty much every market, except smaller markets, have gone down. So that's not a good thing for the league. And also the owners in the new CBA had negotiated the new Supermax contracts to benefit current teams that were signing their own players to be at such a high number that players would not walk away from their deals and stick with the same team that they're already on. Now we're seeing guys signing those deals getting traded and having other teams trying to move those contracts around. That's exactly what happened with this Russell Westbrook situation. And with the new Supermax, it is very hard for a lot of these teams to have flexibility. We're seeing this with the Washington Wizards. Even though they have John Wall and Bradley Beal locked in, they still got rid of guys like Otto Porter Jr. and Kelly Ubotre. They got rid of these guys even though they still have their stars and they're trying to compete now. And then we've seen the Golden State Warriors to be one of the few teams with the new Supermax given into Stephen Curry, and it ended up working out for them. The reason why it worked out for them, because they locked in Stephen Curry early. So some of those MVP years, I believe one of those MVP years, Stephen Curry was still under that four-year, $44 million deal because they locked him in early to get Andre Iguodala. See, with the Golden State Warriors, their contracts came in at the right time. 
that's why they were able to give Stephen Curry the Supermax, still get Kevin Durant, and then do their thing. But for a lot of teams, it's not going to come down to that type of luck. So now we're seeing where the Supermax deal, having a guy like Westbrook not being happy in Houston, how is his contract going to be moved? This is going to be a very tricky situation. That's why I said the owners, when they come back to that collective bargaining agreement for the new one, they're going to work out some of these deals because that Supermax is not keeping players where the owners wanted them to be, which is with their initial teams. And guys are actually kind of reneging on their contracts. They're like, oh, even though I have a few years left on my deal, I want to get traded. That is setting a bad precedent for the league. Guys are in contracts. They can't have their cake and eat it too. Once you sign that Supermax, you're locked in. If you want that flexibility, give up that money. So pretty much this offseason, we're seeing it for the first time in real time of how it's going to play out where a guy does have a Supermax contract with another team and now he's on a brand new team and now he wants out. It's going to be very difficult to move Westbrook because that price point is really high and in reality, he should still be with OKC. But we all know how that goes. They're not going to end up taking him back for that price. Even though that's their hometown hero, that ownership and many ownerships throughout the league want to avoid paying any type of luxury tax. And that's another issue that's going on throughout the league. Especially this offseason, we see teams like OKC, the Cavs, the Pacers, the Wizards. They're all trying to avoid paying that luxury tax. Even though all those teams signed a bunch of guys at high price points. This offseason, man, I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the most unique offseasons of all time to see how a lot of this stuff plays out. Now, speaking of a unique offseason, the league right now has worked out a deal where they're going to come back, of course, December 22nd. It's a 72-game schedule. And, of course, we all know behind the scenes, there's got to be a lot of pressure coming in from the major networks. As next season, that's pretty much set to be the only guaranteed revenue coming in, which is from the TV deals. And this week alone, we've seen ESPN announce a bunch of layoffs. As Disney, they no longer have their theme parks and other ventures going out, generating revenue. So they're solely focused on their streaming platform. And it seems like that's pretty much the direction Disney is headed in. And we can see this play out through the layoffs this week as ESPN laid off a ton of producers, people behind the scenes, and they kind of realized that they can get content out without having a whole production crew fly from city to city putting together these shows. So the NBA on their end are trying to relieve some of that stress by trying to get some of their revenue back, which is in within the fan base showing up to these games. Now remember, fans showing up to the games is about 40% of revenue throughout the league. And also, it helps small market teams because then it creates a revenue sharing program where the small market teams tend to get a lot of their financial relief. Now, remember, if there's no fans in the stands, there's no revenue sharing program. So this is why the NBA kind of initiated new protocols this season to try to get fans in their stands as soon as possible. But it's kind of one foot in, one foot out, the way that they kind of sort of drew up the new system. Now, everything, of course, is subject to change day by day. It's pretty much how the league has been operating since the bubble. But right now, fans that sit within 30 feet of the court have to get a registered negative test within two days before the game or the day of the game. Now, two days before the game doesn't really make sense because they could get a negative test two days ahead. But the day of the game, a couple hours before, they can get coronavirus at any moment. So that doesn't really pretty much make sure that's safe, especially for the players and people that are working in these arenas. Now, here's another scenario that's kind of one foot in, one foot out. The luxury suites at 25% capacity, 
would require no testing at all. Now, if the luxury suites are at 50% capacity, everybody, of course, would have to get tested. Now, this is kind of a gray area because you're telling me luxury suites, aka meaning is corporate sponsors at 25% capacity, don't have to get tested at all. So they can enter the arena. Of course, they're going to mingle with people, use the bathroom. That's, that's a whole gray area in itself. The outbreak could just happen within that section alone and it'll affect everybody. But once again, the league is kind of one foot in, one foot out when it comes to safety because they're probably looking at the money. And once again, a lot of these small market owners, they do not want to operate next season if there's no revenue sharing program. And that can only be a revenue sharing program if there's fans in the stands. So this is pretty much a conundrum in itself because we already seen small market teams like the Utah Jazz and the Miller family sell off the team. So they weren't already fixing to be part of this rocky road that the league is about to go through financially. So I wonder if all other small market teams are thinking the same thing. I know the Minnesota Timberwolves are pretty much up for sale almost every season, but we're pretty much seeing sort of the gray area between safety and making sure that the league is financially stable going forward. It's a real gray area. It goes way beyond just the league. It goes to the TV partners. We see Disney affected. Pretty much everyone's affected. But pretty much seeing how Adam Silver and the league handle the bubble and the safetyness of it, I'm pretty sure they're going to make the right decisions going forward. And like I said, everything is subject to change because day by day, the league is, you know, implementing different changes. They're seeing what works, what doesn't work. I heard even the Golden State Warriors, they're kind of spending their own money and trying to implement a plan to get more fans in the stands to get their stadiums at least 50% filled up. I know the Golden State Warriors uh, ownership group made a lot of commitments to a brand new stadium, and they thought that they were going to get some of that revenue back. But then the pandemic hit, so they're suffering. So they're coming up with new innovative ways to try to get this shit going. So it is what it is. Until next time, you guys stay safe. Peace.